so uh, uh, it's good to be back with you. I know we welcomed Josephine earlier, and glad to have her. But, uh, you know, I see other new faces. I'm not here every week, so sometimes new faces come in. And, and uh, so when I come back around, then there's, there's a lot of new people to meet. But we're glad you're here, glad to see such a big number. You know, uh, one of the things about uh, uh, changing pastors from Greg to Eric and so forth, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about, you know, some like Apollos, some like Paul, some like, you know. And so people sometimes change in, during that transition. But it's good to see your number this morning. You still have a strong number here and a good faithful number. And, and that's tremendous. That's good. And I hope you continue to grow. Hope you uh, continue to grow. It's good to hear all the announcements. You're busy church and uh, uh, got a lot of activities, a lot of ministries going on. That's good news as well. And, and I love, you know, I love your music team. I love your music team there. Y'all, y'all good. You, uh, in fact, uh, I, I mentioned to you last time I was here, and I mentioned to Eric again, sort of, Pastor Eric, uh, reminding him, uh, I'd like to have your music team do a mission trip over to the east side of Johor Bahru. And uh, we're, our cell group is trying to move into a worship service, possibly, possibly in January. Uh, there's a lot of details that we need to work out, but we'd like to have your... Uh, music team, come over and, and help us sometime and, and lead for, you know, a couple of weeks or something like that. So the, uh, your effort, you don't have to get on a plane to go on missions. You just drive across town and go on missions and, uh, and be there and help us out. And that would be a, a, glory, to, a glory to God, but it's certainly a help for us as well. We're a little bit weak on music, uh, okay? And so uh, you're all great. You've been blessed. You've got a good team here. That's a wonderful blessing in itself. And, and so it's, it's good to be here and worship with you and sing God's praises. That's powerful. You know, as, uh, you know one of the things that <clears throat> I like to share with churches as I, as I move around is, is what God is doing in other places. And I, I know, you, you know, sometimes we're meet y'all meet here each week and you're faithful and such but you don't always know what god is doing in other places and and yet god is moving in in very good ways throughout this country and we we see like in in Sarawak, the baptist church there is uh is has had home missionaries in Sarawak and in malaysia for a number of years and they've been sending them out and they have their own uh, uh, organization already established but now they're getting ready to make the next big step and they're going to possibly send them out to other countries and so this is a big step a big growth for their their Baptist their group of Baptist churches there in in Sarawak and so we're glad to see that maturity going on we look uh, here in Johor we look up in Kluang and a church that just started last January y'all y'all six or seven years old now and, uh, and this church just started last January and is running 45 to 50 and they're out doing missions. They're going to Orang Asli Village and they're going uh, the senior adults home each week and so forth and just very busy but reaching out into the community. And that's what God wants us to do is do these things, reaching out in that way. Here in, in Johor Bahru itself, the Johor Bahru Baptist Church is getting excited as they're uh, they're, they're over 30 years old, they're close to 40 years old, and, uh, and they were uh, using a bungalow 
uh, and had uh, two lots, but they were using a bungalow for their worship center and so forth. And so uh, in uh, January 2018, they uh, tore the bungalow down and they had groundbreaking actually on Christmas, Christmas 2017. And so they tore it down and now they're, uh, uh, you know, building contractors in Malaysia, they say, well, we'll have it ready for this date, but they, you always expect me out. <laughs> give, them some, give them some rubber tack. And so the contractors, sure enough, used all the rubber time he can use, and, but they hope, hope to be in it uh, by January into their new building. It's a beautiful building there in uh, the Bandar area of Johor Bahru. And so God is moving in, in uh, a lot of different ways around. I, I could spend my whole time telling you about other things that God is doing. But uh, so, so you're not alone. God is blessing you. Like I said, I see new faces here, but he's also working in other areas as well. And so sometimes the uh, it's, it's best, uh, he, he works very quietly sometimes, and that's best because uh, there, there's a, a certain element in this country that would oppose any progress that the church is making. And, and, uh, and so God just works quietly and glorifies himself, keeps reaching new people, and, and that is tremendous in itself. This morning I'd like to invite you to turn to James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. So if you have your Bibles, your uh, electronic uh, whatever, uh, or you use a hard copy, I'm still, you know, you can tell, look at me, I'm old-fashioned. And so I just use a hard copy. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, but y'all open up your smartphones or whatever there. James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. We're going to start there this morning. And uh, I'll get to that eventually, James chapter 2. But uh, I want to talk about some other things as well. You know, the, the, when we come to this passage this morning, uh, we, it's a passage that challenges us because uh, a lot of times we, we're reading through the New Testament and yes, the word faith keeps jumping out on us, the word faith. And, and so yes, we trust in God, we have faith in God, we have faith that saves us, yes. But also there's element of works element of doing and the, the, the faith produces the works is basically what it amounts to so when we come to James here this is what he's talking about by the way uh, in case you're not aware of it James was the younger brother of Jesus and, uh, and some people uh, I had a Bible study in our home a uh, lady uh, didn't realize that uh, Jesus had younger brothers and uh, younger siblings and uh, so this was a real challenge for her to begin to open up to that idea that, uh, that Mary had other children besides Jesus. But he did. And this, James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. It wasn't, uh, you know, some people think that Peter was the first uh, leader of the church. They sometimes even call uh, Peter the first pope. Well, that's, that's mythical. That's not true at all. And... Uh, uh, in the Bible, actually, we see James as the leader of the Jerusalem church. And, uh, and so here we see, we read about him and uh, we read from him uh, these inspired words. Let's read here from 14 through 26. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds, no works? Can such faith save him? 
Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that, your faith, that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. Now, that's, we need to be careful with that, okay? That's not to say we need two things to be saved. We're saved through faith, great, through God's grace, through faith. But at the same time, that produces works, and so that proof shows our faith. In verse 25, in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so, faith without deeds is dead. Now again, some people, as we, we consider this passage actually, some people think that uh, James was contradicting Paul. That uh, Paul, as always, we read about the uh, writings of Paul and the letters of Paul, and he's talking about grace, he's talking about faith. And, uh, and then we come to James and he talks about works. So some people think, well, is this a contradiction? But no, it's, it's not a contradiction, actually. And it, it, Paul actually speaks about works as well. And James is actually complementing and supplementing what Paul has written about. We, uh, we see that faith is important in the Christian life. And if we can uh, get this working here, yeah. We, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Is for by, by faith that you're, is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one, no one, misspelled that, didn't No one can boast. Okay, so uh, we, we cannot do it ourselves. If we did it ourselves, we'd always be bragging, telling you, you know what I did? You know what I did, huh? Did you see how great I am? And so we can't do it ourselves. We're saved through grace and through faith. And, and, but then we give glory to God. We give glory to God. What He did through us. How He changed our life. Not how I recovered from all of my bad and evil deeds. But what God did to change me. And so that faith, that faith, uh, God's grace reached out to us and gave us the faith that we need so that our lives can be changed and make a difference. So, uh, faith is important in the Christian life. We also see that uh, we walk by faith. We, uh, uh, we, it says here in 2 Corinthians, we live by faith and not by sight. So each day here, it's not that we can see God, not that we can see the Spirit, not that we can see uh, His presence with us, but in faith we walk 
day by day. We live day by day knowing that he's with us, knowing that he's going to strengthen us, knowing that he's going to help us in whatever our needs are. And sometimes those are challenging, but yet God is there to help us through and help us to have the, the victory. But we not only that, but we also, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. There's a lot of people doing works. We talk about the Rotary Club, the Lions Club. We talk about other uh, organizations like that that are out in the community doing good works. And those are good people, okay? I'm not, I'm not condemning those people. Those are good people. Uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we have to trust in him, have to know that he is here and know that he is with us. But then we look in Romans, and we see that in Romans, whatever we do uh, apart from faith is sin. So we, we have to have the faith in order to glorify God, in order to please God, in order to do what he wants us to do. Uh, so that, uh, there we go. Right. Little, let me put that behind my arm. That's the way it should be. Try it this way. All right. So, <clears throat> as we, we come to this and we talk about faith, so what is the description? What is the definition of faith? And we think that one person said, faith is obeying in spite of the consequence. Now, we're going to read a little bit later about Abraham. One person that he, he didn't know what the result was going to be. He just jumped out, you know, out there and took off one day with his family to where God was leading. And so he didn't know the consequence. And sometimes we need to step out on faith, trusting that the God is going to work through us. Our, our, our group, uh, I told you we're trying to move from a cell group into a worship service. And uh, it, it's sort of like the... the uh, Israelites, when they were at the Red Sea, I've often wondered, when did the Red Sea separate? Did it, did it separate when Moses was right at the edge, or did he have to get his feet wet first, and then it separated? Where, where did the faith, where was that measure of faith? Where was that moment of faith that happened there? And you know, Joshua coming to the Jordan River, is going to lead him across the Jordan River. You know, again, the, my question, and I don't Maybe Eric knows, uh, maybe uh, somebody else knows. I, I haven't seen it clear in the Bible. But when you say God is going to help us get across this Jordan River, where does faith come in? Did, he, did they have to go into the river? Did they have to get their feet wet? Was it just their toes? Was it up to their ankles? Was it up to their knees? Where did that river stop flowing and they were able to go across? And, and we don't know exactly when, when that moment was. But faith is, is going forward and uh, without, in spite of the consequence, we trust that God is going to use it. Now, another definition of faith is that it's the confidence that God's word is true. A lot of people read the Bible and they just read it like any other book. And it never moves upon them. They never allow the spirit God's Spirit, never, they never allow God's Spirit to work through them as they read the Bible. But it's with confidence that God's Word is true and a conviction that uh, acting, no, I don't exactly have that right. 
uh, and conviction that acting on that word will bring his blessing. So trusting that as we uh, read the Bible and we know we trust that it's true, and so we begin to act on it. And then it begin, we begin to be blessed because we're actually acting on it. So faith uh, is, these are just two definitions. There's a lot of definitions of faith. You could probably give me some of your own. But we see here, as we talk about doing works, though, as James comes talk, talks to us about doing works from our text today, it's not just James that teaches us about doing, doing good deeds and doing good works. We look here in Matthew, and we see John the Baptist. John the Baptist was preaching. He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In other words, produce works, produce deeds in keeping with repentance. So as we repent and we turn to God, then our actions, our lives should be different, and we start doing good work in, in, uh, as a result of that. But it's not just John the Baptist. We see uh, Jesus here was teaching us as well. He says, and this is from the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5. It says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We know we're supposed to be the light of the world. We know we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. And, and how does that happen? It happens not just when we walk through uh, the Eon Mall over here and, and people say, oh, there's a white man. He must be a Christian. You know? and, and they just don't die yet. That isn't it. That isn't why. It's, it's when we begin to reach out to other people. We begin to reach out to other people, and they see our kindness. They see our graciousness. They see uh, that we are doing something different from what the world would normally do. Then God's light begins to shine. God's light begins to open up, and people say, wow, what is it that causes that person to be different? What causes him to act uh, kind and gracious loving in that fashion. And so this is what Jesus is talking about. But Jesus not only taught about it there, he also taught about it at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 5 was the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And then he goes back in chapter 7 at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and he says, a, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So by your fruit you will recognize them. By your fruit you will recognize the followers of Jesus. Are you a good fruit, a good tree or a bad tree? What kind of fruit are you producing? What kind of works are you doing today? And, and that's what Jesus is saying. And by the, the, the lifestyle, by the way you react with other people, by the way you help other people and do kindness and, and other things, that's the fruit I'm talking about. And it'll result in, in a different life. You know, I, one of the things that's amazed me, I lived in Indonesia and I lived in uh, uh, Malaysia, now, a total of 28 years. And it just amazes me sometimes that how people can uh, uh, live out in the Taman area and they won't know their neighbor beside them. You know, left, left, right, over across the street. Who is that person? I don't know. They come home, they go behind their gate, and you know, they, I don't know who they are. And, and you know, in an apartment complex, I live in an apartment complex, and, and people think I'm weird. I, you know, I can say, hello, good morning to everybody I see. And I just think I'm, I'm weird because of that. And, uh, you know, I, and uh, but that's just me. It's uh, East Tennessee boy, you know, it's East Tennessee boy. Uh, that I just say hello to everybody. And in fact, one lady told, I heard it through the grapevine, 
came back to me. She said, oh, she says, oh, you're, you're talking about the good morning guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's just it. And, and they, but in our apartment complex, it amazes me that people can live on the same floor, live in, you know, in the same building, and they never speak to each other. You know, sometimes we're in the lift together. And I speak to somebody and say, nobody else is in the lift, you know. And I speak to them, good morning, and they say, oh, you speak to me? You know, and they're amazed, they're amazed. And they, they don't know each other. And so, yeah, we need to be neighbors. We need to reach out. And this is what we need to do. So, uh, but Paul also, it, it, James is not conflicting with Paul at all. But even Paul, he says, God will give to each person according to what he has done. In other words, when we stand before God, God is going, now our faith gets, our faith is saving, okay? That gets us into it. But then there's an element of what we have done for God that can add to our, our crown, I guess you say, in heaven there. And, and so God will give according to what each person has done. Paul also wrote here in 1 Corinthians. He says, each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Wow. Each will be rewarded according to his own labor. You know, some people say, well, I just hope I can just get in the gate of heaven. Okay, that's, that's good. Now, I, I hope I get in the gate of heaven. That's true. But at the same time, God is ready to reward us according to the way we have served him the way we have done, worked for him here on this earth. Paul also wrote here, he says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so, you know, again, whether we are, are serving the Lord or not serving the Lord, God is ready to reward us and give us accordingly. I, as we stand stand before him. But it's not just there. Whoops, I hit the wrong button there, didn't I? Somebody's going to have to help me on this one. I am not a tech person. So, uh, yeah, okay, now let's try it. There we go, Matthew. Back to Matthew now. Again, just following what the text we read just a minute ago in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus teaches, he says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Let me ask you something. Do you think, do you think God is really just happy that you only come to church once a week? Yeah, is, is that all God wants for you? I mean, really. Uh, you know, is he going to be happy that you're doing the will of God and you show up once a week in a favor? No. God has something for all of us to do. Has something for all of us to be involved in in, in the community in which we live. And so we need to be doing that. And then we're doing the will of my Father in heaven as we serve him and as we uh, glorify him in the community in which we're in. Even the apostle John, the other disciple of Jesus here, says, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. 
And you see, uh, these, these begin to stress to us that we need to be involved. You know, Paul and James, they begin at different starting points. It's the reason you see a di- sort of a little different emphasis in the writing. Paul began at the point where somebody needs to be saved. They're lost and they're coming into the kingdom. And so Paul writes a lot about faith and grace and so forth. But James, he, when he writes here, he's starting at, at people who are already believers. And, and he's saying, you know, okay, now you're believers. And now you need to be doing something for God. You need to be uh, serving the Lord in some way. So they're not contradicting each other. But they're just starting at, at different uh, points here. So as we talk, look here at our passage in James, you go back with me to James chapter 2, verse 14. As we start in that passage here, uh, well, one other thing. It says, we are God's workmanship uh, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But, uh, yeah. It talks, one, about uh, a, a dead faith. Can you imagine that? A dead faith? It says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so people, they substitute words for deeds. Uh, can you imagine that? So the, the, the people in, in the church, they know the correct vocabulary. They know the correct words to use. They might be able to, sometimes they, they, they're good. They can pray. Others can give a good testimony. And they can quote scripture. But here he's talking about actually doing things for people. And he gives us an illustration in verse 15 and 16. He says, go. If you, one of you says, uh, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? You know, what, what about the people around us that have needs? People around us. You know, uh, I mentioned the church of Fulan taking uh, clothes out to the Oran Asli and helping the Oran Asli with other needs, even helping the, some of the Oran Asli children with their education. But what about right here in Joe Vermont? Don't we see people as well sometimes with needs? And I, I know one of the controversial things that we sometimes see here in Joko Baru is uh, uh, sometimes beggars on the streets. Uh, my wife likes to go down to CIQ and Comtar and do some shopping, so we take her down there. I, I take her down there sometimes, and I'm her chauffeur. And uh, so we take her wherever she wants to go. And uh, so take, go down there, and sure enough, there is, uh, at uh, CIQ, there'll be somebody sitting there on the sidewalk uh, begging. Well, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a rich person at all. But I know some people would say, well, David, you need to be careful. You don't know Malaysia. I said, those, those people are part of an organization that, that takes all that money, and, and the, the beggar doesn't really get that much money. And that may be true. That may be true. But when I see somebody there without a leg, somebody there without an arm, or somebody there with some other condition, you know, if, if they're working for some organization that takes money from them, that, then that person had 
And that organization is going to have to answer God. But if I don't help that person, I have to answer God. That's the difference. See, I'm not the one to determine whether there's some mafia-type organization behind them that takes all that money and scams all that money. And there may be. And I, I, I don't doubt that. I'm not naive. I don't doubt that that sometimes happens. But that's not my determination. That's between that person and God. But I have to answer for, to God for what I do. And when I see that person, I think that, you know, if I give them a remit, is that going to ruin my life? If I give them a remit, is that going to take away from my lunch? But I'm not, I said, I'm not a rich person. For some people, it, it may make a difference between being able to eat lunch. I, I, I'm not rich, but it, for me, I can, I can give them. And so, you know, as we see somebody in need, we need to begin to reach out to them. So this is more than just a story in the Bible about a poor man that walks in. This is something that we face every day. This is something we face right here in Joel every day. And you can name stories. You can look around your area where you live, and you'll see people in need. And, and I can't list all the needs that you might see there, but there's people there. So we have to make a difference. You know, Jesus told back in Matthew chapter 25, he's talking about separating the, the sheep on the right and the uh, goats on the left. And, and then he said, uh, because you, you, when I was thirsty, you fed me, and when I was hungry, uh, you gave me water, and when I was hungry, you gave me food, and when I was, you, you gave me clothes. No. I said, when did we do that, Lord? When did we do that? And he says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. You did it for God. And so as we reach out to people and try to help people, this is what we're doing. Is, is we're not doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it for God to help people in that way. Now we look in uh, 1 John. We've already looked at 1 <clears throat> John there. And, you know, he says... If anyone has material possessions and he sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. You know, Jesus also told a story in, Acts, in, in Luke chapter 15 about a man in need. There was a, a man going down from, down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Notorious road there, bad. Just like the tow boat between here and KL, bad, you know. And uh, and so the, the man was hit by robbers, and he was beaten, and he's left on the side of the road for dead. And so this religious person, a priest, passed by. A priest saw him there on the side of the road. I, I am so sorry you got beaten up. I am so sorry you got robbed. But, you know, I cannot touch you. You might be dead. If I touch you, I will get dirty and I can't go do my priestly duties. So I'm going to have to go to the other side of the road and walk by you and not bother with you. That's the priest. A little bit later, another religious person came by, a Levi. Had the same attitude. I was saying, Whoa, I, man, you really got it, didn't you? I'm, man, I'm sorry for you. I am. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a shame. They, they need to put more police out here on this road or something. And, uh, but 
I'm sorry I can't help you. I, you know, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But I, I've got to go. I, I've got priestly duties down here. So the Levite left him by the side of the road. But then a Samaritan came by. Dreaded, hated Samaritan came by. And the Samaritan stopped and back, began to bandage his wounds. And eventually the Samaritan put him on his donkey and led him down to Jericho. Told the innkeeper in Jericho, you take care of him, you medicate him, you, and, and I'll pay for it. You know, I'll come back here and I'll pay for it. Now, who was the neighbor, Jesus asked. And of course the obvious answer is the Samaritan, the one who helped him. The one who helped him. And in the same way today, we ask, you know, the priest and the Levite had been to church. They'd been to the synagogue. <laughs> and, and they knew all the religious teaching. They could quote the scripture. They could give their testimony. They could pray. They knew all the religious stuff. But they never put it into their lives. How often did that is that we see that today? You know, I, 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 I talk about, you know, that people are stopping to help a, a person with a flat tire out here on the highway. You did what? Don't you know they could have beaten you up? Don't you know you could have been robbed? Don't you know that this could happen, that could happen? Yes, it could have. Yes, it could have. But when we see a person in need, we're supposed to help them. We're supposed to help them. And that's what Jesus taught Otherwise, our faith is dead. So he wrote here, James wrote here, about a, a dead faith that we can have in our lives. But it's only, uh, you know, even uh, our Christian leaders, John Calvin, one of the early reformers, he says, if it is faith, it is faith alone that justifies. But faith that justifies can never be alone. Faith cannot be alone. It has to have works to go with it. You know, our lives are changed when we have that faith. If a person grabs a 220 volt electric power line, whoa, their lives are going to be changed. And when a person touches Christ, their life is going to be changed. And so we're going to be different from the rest of the world like that. Dead faith is not a saving faith. That's what it amounts to. But then James also talks to us about a demonic faith. So we have a dead faith and we also have a demonic faith. And here in verse 18 and 19, he says, But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. And he says, Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. They shame. Are you any better than the demons? Are we any better than the demons? That they believe in God, and they shudder and they shake because they, they believe in God. They know he is real. That's a demonic faith. Demons are real. We read in Ephesians in chapter 6, we read in put on the, the, the spiritual uh, 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 weapons so that we can protect ourselves from the warfare that is going on. The demons believe in the existence of God. They believe in the deity of Christ. They bore witness to the sonship of Christ. And we read in Mark chapter 3 about it. 
They believe in the existence of a place of punishment. In, in Luke chapter 8, we can read about that. They recognize Jesus as the judge in Mark chapter 5. The story there is he faced the demons. So the demons believe all that. But are they saved? No, they're not saved. You see, we can have faith, but that faith begins to change us so that we don't have a dead faith, we don't have a demonic faith. In fact, in, as we read here in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are God's workmanship. We are his masterpiece that we are created in Christ to do good works, do good service, do good ministry. Itself. So you re what we do, we receive the light from Christ and then we reveal the light to other people through our good works. So we have a dead faith, uh, we have a, a dead faith, we have a demonic faith, and then James talks to us about a dynamic faith that we can have. We look in verse 20 through 26, and he talks here about a dynamic faith, a faith that has power, a faith that has a reveals a changed life, a faith that has action to it. And he talks to us about two examples, Abraham. Abraham, you know, that was, uh, trusted God and left his family, left uh, his home place and went to where God wanted him to live. And then God said, uh, Abraham, you know that son that you waited a hundred years to have? You know, I promised you that son. You had to wait a hundred years before, before you had that son. And uh, and said, I want you to take that one son that you have. And I want you to trust me, Abraham. And I want you to put him on the altar and sacrifice him to me. Well, I've got one son and one daughter. I'm glad that God never tested me like that. But Abraham had the faith, and he took his son. And in works, in good deeds, he put his son on the altar. And then God supplied another sacrifice of the ram that was in the bush to take out of Isaac's place. But Abraham proved his faith by the works that he did, the deeds. Then James gives us another example. He gives us the example of Rahab, the prostitute. Can you imagine that? A prostitute in the Bible? Yes, a prostitute. And not only a prostitute, but after she uh, was saved by God, when the walls come crumbling, that crumb came crumbling down in Jericho, she was saved and her family was saved, and she apparently married him to the Jewish, uh, Jewish people because she is listed. She is listed as an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? A prostitute. But that's the power of God to change lives. And the power of God to work in a changed life. To do good works. And so we have Abraham. And we have Sarah, uh, Rahab there to show us this. There's one other thing. I think I've got this on here. Yes. You know, this week, this week we have a lot of Malaysian students that are beginning to take their, I never get these letters right, SPM test. Anybody in Malaysia, is that right? SPM, yeah, SPM test for Form 5. So they're finishing high school, and they're getting ready to go to university, but they have to take these tests to see if they qualify to go to university. I, I have some in our, our cell group, a couple of them, and 
and they ask us to pray for them. But, you know, if we're going to pray, you know, God help me get an A on this SPM test that's going to make a big difference in my life. But God, while I pray, I'm going to go out swimming, okay? While I pray, I'm going to go out uh, and do something else. Now, when we pray like that, we need to act like that as well and put good deeds to it. And so this is what we, we cannot pray for an A on a test and study for a B. We cannot pray for this church to grow and then sit down. But when we pray, we need to put action to it. I know a, a family that's uh, trying to serve the Lord and, and, they, and are serving the Lord. And, and, but they, they always like to talk about how good their devotional life is. Each morning, they spend the whole morning praying and reading God's Word and everything. And, and yet, they're, but they're not reaching people. And I had a chance to sit down with them and counsel them one time. And I said, you know what? You need to put feet to your prayers. You need to get out in the community and meet the people that you're praying about. And when you get out and meet the people you're praying about, then God's going to answer your prayers. And, and so this is true. And so we, we cannot pray for a faithful relationship and still live an unfaithful life. In other words, we, we can't pray, oh, God, you know, I, I want you to bless me with this and bless me with that, and I want you to make me a good Christian. And then we go out and gamble. We go out and get drunker. We go out and uh, uh, involve ourselves in, in some immoral activity. We can't do that. Our lives have to match what we're praying with. So the moral of the story is you, you can't pray for something and act less than that. So we don't question God and his abilities when our actions don't match our prayers. That's where we are, isn't it? We can't question Titus here has a word for us. It says, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. What does your life say to your neighbor about God? If your neighbor sees you, does he know you're a Christian? Are you an ally? Are your actions? Now, folks, let me back up here. Paul wrote, people ask, what must we do to be saved? He says, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And that's the basic, that's the kernel, that's the seed of the gospel right there. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. But once we're saved, then we start serving the Lord and doing good works for him. And we cannot get away from him. We cannot sit down. We need to be busy praying. Let's pray, and then we're going to have a closing song, okay? If the music folks want to go ahead and come up, you can. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll close with the song. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, Chan, again, for the opportunity to be here with brothers and sisters in Christ. Faithful people, Lord, who are trying to serve you each and every corner of the end right here in Joel. And we just pray, Lord, that you would take this uh, from your word today. And you go beyond the messenger. But you take your word, Lord, and you take the message and apply it to each of our hearts. 
that we would be busy doing something for you. We'd be busy glorifying you, pleasing you in the way that we actually live. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that the Lord you bless these people as they go out and do what you want them to do. And you help this church grow as this church does what you want it to do. And Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Is safe. Amen. Let's all stand together for our closing song.